Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. This is the second in our series on Exodus, Let My People Go. Today's preacher is Linda Johnson and the topic is the plagues. Firstly, a reading from Exodus chapter 7 verses 1 to 24 and chapter 10 verses 21 to 29, which can be found in your pew Bibles on page 61 and turning to 65. Exodus 7, 1 to 24, and 10, 21 to 29. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. And you are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded, Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them just as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river. Confront him on the bank of the Nile and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, Let my people go so they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this, you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die, and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in vessels of wood and stone. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile, and all the water 
was changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died and the river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. But the Egyptian musicians did the same thing by their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned and went into his palace and did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. Then turn to page 65, reading from chapter 10, verses 21 to 29. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshipping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. The second reading comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 29, in your pew Bibles on page 1,213. Hebrews eleven, twenty-three to 29. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. We uh, continue in this series on Exodus. 
And today we are looking at the plagues. The moment of confrontation has come. Do you remember last week we left Moses giving excuse after excuse after excuse to God for not doing what God had asked of him and God answered each excuse with a solution. But then Moses said to God in the end, oh, just send someone else. <laughs> but no, from the burning bush, God was clear it had to be Moses with the help of his older brother Aaron for good measure. So Moses went to his father-in-law and sought permission to go back to Egypt. And in Egypt, he reunites with Aaron and they go to Pharaoh who promptly rejects their request to let the slaves go and refuses to acknowledge God. And then in response, he makes it even harder work for the, Egyptian, for the Hebrews to produce what they're demanding that they produce. I want you to remember that uh, they'd been in Egypt over 400 years and with this new pharaoh, they had been treated as slaves. Well, when this pharaoh made it even harder work for the Hebrews by reducing their resources, he goes back to God with a bit of a whinge about that. But God's response is that he will show his power through them and they had to get on with it. God will do it. Now, it's worth noting, actually, while, um, while Joanna was reading it, I even heard a few mm around the room. We, we need to note at this time that Aaron was 83 years old and Moses was 80 years old. We've got no excuse, have we? <laughs> God calls them to do this significant task which results in being the great saving event of the Old Testament. All excuses are covered. God can do it. Our reluctant hero and his brother go to Pharaoh and demand that he let the people of Israel go. And what is Pharaoh's response? Who, who is this God? Who should I, why should I listen to him? Why should I let Israel go? I don't know this Lord of yours and I am not going to find out. So the drama begins to unfold and I think as we see this unfold, you'll see two levels in these confrontations. There's the human level, of course, between Moses and Pharaoh and their different reactions to what God does. But this only brings out the deeper level of the conflict and that is between the God of Israel and the gods of the Egyptians. Who is this God? Who are these gods? So what's at stake here is who is the true God and what's he like? Are there many gods? Is there one God? Who and what competes for our worship? Well, Pharaoh's response shows him to be a really stubborn and arrogant man. He sees himself as God in his own land, so why should he listen to the God of some foreigners? And the first encounter with Pharaoh was just the first move, the, the opening gambit, if you like. It wouldn't have been fair, would it, to have 
punished Pharaoh before he was given a chance to change his mind. And that's what the true God is actually like. And I want us to see that today, that the one living and true God is a God who shows true justice. And true justice always includes opportunity for mercy and repentance. But with Pharaoh, we see his true character, that is, his arrogance and pride, and Moses and Aaron move forward to show him the character and power of the one true God. If he wants to know who this Lord is, he is going to find out, even if he doesn't want to. Now, it's clear that God doesn't expect Pharaoh's mind to be changed. In chapter 7, verse 3, we're told that Pharaoh's heart has been hardened. And I think this means that God leaves him to his own devices with all the pride and arrogance that's in him given full reign. God told Moses that Pharaoh wouldn't listen and we'll see what happens as things build and build. Now we're going to look at these plagues one by one, but you need to know that the reading we heard this morning gave us only the first and the ninth. So we got, we got the beginning and the end, we got the bookends. Uh, but if you've got your Bible there, uh, it would be great to have it open and to be flicking through as we're going. So let's go to Exodus 7 in the Pew Bibles, that's page 61. And remember that Pharaoh has already told Moses that he's not going to listen to the God of the Hebrews. And so Moses and his brother start this process. The first thing they do, I'm actually going to call the prequel. We've got pl- the, the ten plagues, but prequels are the in thing, aren't they? I mean, so Moses, they were, they were up with it before they even knew it. So the, the first thing they did was a prequel to the plagues. And that is the miraculous sign of Aaron's staff becoming a snake. But Pharaoh's heart was hard because his magicians could copy that. They could do the same thing. They threw down their staffs and they became snakes as well. But not even did Pharaoh's heart change when Aaron's snake ate up the others. Now you'd think that'd be a bit of a signal that there was something pretty major going on here by somebody pretty major. So then things get serious, and plague one is the Nile and all the waterways turning to blood. They come and say to Pharaoh on behalf of the Lord, let my people go so they may worship me. Aaron holds up his staff, the water becomes blood, the fish die, and the stench comes. Rotting fish is not good, is it? You know, you only have to walk past a bin after Christmas Day where a household has had prawns. The whole of Egypt was like that. But the Egyptian magicians magicians can do the same thing, so Pharaoh's heart stays hard. Plague two is frogs, chapter 8. They say to Pharaoh, let my people go so they may worship or frogs will be everywhere. But the Egyptian magicians could do the same thing. Pharaoh's heart is turned a little. Notice there in chapter 8 because he says to them, pray that the frogs will go and then I'll let your people go. 
And when God answers the prayer, guess what happens? His heart is hardened and he changes his mind. Plague three, gnats. Now this one just happens. No request, no warning. God tells them to do it and Pharaoh's magicians could not replicate this one. And so they said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But no, Pharaoh's heart was hard. Plague four, flies. Chapter 8, verse 20. Moses confronts Pharaoh by the river and says, let my people go so they can worship or there'll be flies everywhere. But there's a distinction this time, really interesting, except in the land of Goshen where my people live. God's people won't be plagued by flies. He shows them grace. But it's interesting to note that that the grace isn't only for the Hebrews, there is also grace shown to the Egyptians. It's fascinating. How? The flies? Well, that'll happen tomorrow. Tomorrow. Now, I think that is very significant. They get a day's warning. Time to think. Time to reflect. Time to change their mind, especially as the pattern is becoming clear. This God of the Hebrews is powerful and he does what he says he's going to do. Ooh, shall we change tomorrow? A day's warning is a day of grace. Will Pharaoh listen and respond differently? The next day comes and things happen just as God had said. The land was ruined by the flies, but not in Goshen. Pharaoh calls them in and says, sacrifice to your God here. Moses says, no, we need to go to the wilderness so we don't offend you. So Pharaoh says, well, don't go far and pray for me. So the next day when God graciously answers the prayer and the flies disappear, Pharaoh stops them going. His heart was hardened. Not only does God give them a day's warning, but he also responds to their request for Moses to pray for them. And still Pharaoh's heart turns hard. Plague five was on the livestock. Moses gave Pharaoh God's call to let his people go so they can worship or all livestock will be plagued. Not the livestock of the Hebrews, only the Egyptian livestock. And interestingly, again, they are given a day's notice to no avail, sadly. So the plague happened, Pharaoh's heart stayed hard and he would not let the people go. Plague six, boils. Pharaoh's heart stayed hard. Plague seven was hail. The call was given to let God's people, God's people go so they may worship. And interestingly, Moses says to Pharaoh, you know, God could have wiped you off the face of the earth, but he hasn't because his power has to be shown. And even more interesting is that they were again given notice of the hail. In fact, more than just given notice, they were given instructions on how to save their livestock from death and how to save their people. They were told, 
get everything under shelter because it's not going to be good. Do you see God's way of administering justice here? Always an opportunity for change. Now, there were some of Pharaoh's officials who by this time had understood the deal and they took notice of the instructions and they got their livestock and their people under shelter. But there were others who refused to listen and they ignored the Lord's advice. Hail and lightning came, struck everything in the fields, people and animals and everything growing was stripped bare except in Goshen where God's God's people were. And it was this plague, plague seven, that Pharaoh finally said these words, I have sinned. We are in the wrong. The Lord is right. Go. You don't have to stay any longer. So Moses left Pharaoh and prayed and the hail and the storm stopped. Guess what? Pharaoh's heart turned hard again. He would not let the Israelites go. Now, can I ask at this point, Plague 7 plus the prequel, where would your patience be if you were God? Would have wiped him out ages ago. <laughs> would have wiped him out ages ago. Yeah, yeah. You keep giving warnings. You keep asking. You keep giving opportunities for change. But change doesn't happen. What do you do? I know what I'd do. That's it. But God continues with two more warnings, two more plagues before the final big showdown next week. Plague eight is locusts. This time in their confrontation with Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron ask him, and it's a sensible question, how long are you going to keep refusing? Come on, buddy. The hail did a lot of damage. This time it'll be locusts to get rid of any little scrap that might be left. And interestingly, this time, Pharaoh's officials tell him something. A bit of home truth. They say to him, just let them go. So Pharaoh says, go. But who are you taking? And Moses says, young and old, sons and daughters, flocks and herds, we're going to go celebrate a festival to our God. And Pharaoh's response was, no, only the men go. So the locusts came. Did Pharaoh change? Well, he asked for forgiveness and for prayer to take away the plague. And Moses prayed for them. I asked the question again. Did Pharaoh change then? No. His heart became hard again when the prayer was answered. This is remarkable. God is certainly judging them. We can't deny that. But his judgment is tempered by opportunities for change and repentance again and again and again. So what is this penultimate plague, the next one? It's darkness, a palpable, terrifying darkness for three days. Nobody could see anything or anyone. They couldn't move about. But the Israelites had light. 
Pharaoh calls Moses back and says, you can go. Even your women and children can go with you, but not your flocks and herds. Seriously, when is this guy going to get it? (laughs) Moses says, no, everything has to come with us. Our livestock must come too. Some of them need to be part of our sacrifice and worship to God. Well, God was right from the very beginning, wasn't he? Pharaoh's heart only gets harder and he changes his mind again. He does not let them go. He will not give in. Now, as we draw this to a conclusion, I want to do two things. I want us to look at the growth in Moses and I want us to look at who this great God of the Israelites is. Like most of us, Moses is not a trained speaker. He didn't go to Toastmasters. He's not a natural leader. And last week we heard all his excuses under the sun. But like us, he discovers as he steps out in faith that God actually does help. He helps him like he says he would. He does what he says he's going to do. God can take our faltering efforts and use them. He begins with Aaron doing the talking. It's Aaron who uses the staff to perform the miracle with the snake. It's Aaron who acts as the spokesperson at the beginning. And it's Aaron who initiates the first three plagues. But then we see a difference coming about in Moses and he begins to speak on his own. He grows in confidence. And the climax at the end of the ninth plague is when Pharaoh explodes. Get out of my sight. Make sure you don't come before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Pharaoh's patience is finished and he'll listen no more. But look at Moses and his response to that. Moses turns his words against Pharaoh and says, just as you say, I will never appear before you again. And then he predicts the final plague. The death of the firstborn of everyone in Egypt and says in chapter 11, then... All these officials of yours will come and bow down and say, go. All the people who follow you, go. And after that, I will leave. Then Moses storms out and the scriptures say, Moses storms out in hot anger. What a contrast from the timid Moses we saw in chapter 6. And so we've had the prequel, the staff becoming a snake, and then nine plagues, the blood, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. And that sets us up for next week. The final plague, the death of the firstborn, horrific which we know as the Passover. We've said a number of times now that this series through the first half of Exodus is all about the great saving event of the Old Testament. And we need to understand that in order to more clearly understand the great saving event of the New Testament, the life, death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. These plagues are interesting. The first 
and last plagues are plagues of blood. The great saving event of the New Testament saves us through the shedding of blood. The final plague we've looked at today was the plague of darkness, three days of darkness. And it was that plague that saw Pharaoh explode with anger. On the day of the crucifixion, when Jesus gave up his life for us, what was one of the dramatic things that happened that day? Three hours of darkness before the final act of judgment, the death of the Lord Jesus. The parallels between Exodus and the life of Jesus continue to amaze me more and more as I go on in my Christian life. We know our God to be a God of grace. A God who not only doesn't give us what we do deserve, that's called mercy, but he's a God who gives us what we don't deserve, that is grace. What a difference it makes when we see God in action. We need to keep our eyes open to see the things that God does. How important it is that we know our scriptures so we know the power and love of God. Moses realizes now that God is in control, that God can be relied on, that when God promises something, he does it. More importantly, he realizes that God is the only true God and that he should be obeyed. What a contrast with Pharaoh, who has seen all the same things, but whose heart remains hard. How you and I respond to God is a choice. Do we believe or do we deny and reject? The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.